This podcast is powered by you. To find out more, go to stdpodcast.com slash support. Hello, everyone, and welcome to STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with the historian himself, Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? We have survived and made it through the first uh, season of Star Trek Discovery. I think I'm doing quite well. Next, we have the uh, Trek historian, John. How's it going, man? Going great, man. Going great. I am. I'm sad that we're not going to have any more discovery, but I am filling my time with Enterprise at the moment, so it'll be all right. Ah, going back to Enterprise. Yes, uh, that theme song, man. Good luck. <laughs> Best theme song ever. <laughs> Worst no. theme song ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> And next, we have the tech historian, Carrie Brown. How's it going, dude? Fairly well, man. Fairly well. Doing doing Avery Brooks impressions? <laughs> <laughs> I have to hear him talk more. The only thing I remember is that one commercial. <laughs> and what commercial would that be, sir? The the I don't even know what it was oh, for. Come on. I just want you to do the voice. It's, it's, it's the year 2000. Where are the flying cars? I was promised flying cars. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I just, you're, you're oh, I remember. Leaving. You're not leaning into it like you did before. <laughs> I'm all nervous now. He's bashful. <laughs> and and next we have uh I guess the newest uh, a new addition to our naming convention here. <laughs> We're gonna take it all the way. Um the the gate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How's it going, dude? It's going good. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to be back. What we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. If you want to get some of that banner, some of that laughter that we do on this show from time to time, you should definitely check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, where we have behind the scenes, after show, and all that good stuff where we uh, are a bit more loose in our <laughs> our responses and, you know, have fun. Yeah, that's that's what you should be coming for, so... Uh, good stuff, man. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. You'll hear the full gamut of Carrie's impressions on there, so you should definitely go to, <laughs> to, to hear that bonus content. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about the final episode of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Will <laughs> you take my hand? And before we get into some feedback, I'll just ask these guys, uh, do they have anything they want to talk about uh, that's been going on lately? Um, I guess just in in uh, Star Trek or otherwise, I guess. Mm, this is, well, I guess Star Trek in a way. Uh, as you guys know, I'm on season four now, actually, of The Walking Dead. And I'm seeing the actress who is playing Michael Barnum. <laughs> And she is such a good actress that I am seeing these two characters as a complete, utterly separate individual that there's no like in my mind that this is really the same. I have to remind myself that it's the same actress. And there have been other actors that I've seen in other roles that I've liked on both. And I can't get past, you know, that's that one character. So kudos to her that I'm watching her on Walking Dead. I'm watching her on, you know, Star Trek Discovery. And she's pulling off both characters and they're completely separate in my head. So kudos. It works the other way, too, because I would say me watching it, seeing Walking Dead first, it's the same thing. Like they, they don't even seem like the same person to me. Good point. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I was really surprised when I heard they cast her for Star Trek. I was like, what? But I mean, but she's doing an excellent job. Uh, I guess in the after trick show, they mentioned that they had to when they were eating the well meat spoilers for later on the episode, uh, the 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 gormagander meat uh, that that um, they had to actually um, imitate that because, uh, well, of course, they didn't have well meat, but they had to make it look like meat because uh, I think they said most of the cast is vegetarians. And I like looked it up and like she went vegetarian after being on Walking Dead and being grossed out 
buy the stuff on that show. So I think, wow. yeah. So I think it's the thing that most of the cast of The Walking Dead are vegetarians. <laughs> Funny, yeah. I still have to watch that. What are we watching Walking Dead on now? Is that on a streaming service? I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it should a, be. I'm watching Netflix. it on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, everything's on Netflix. Not, not, not everything. <laughs> not the or, or Stargate. <laughs> or the Doctor. Stargate isn't anywhere, is it? I think it's on <laughs> Amazon Prime. Is it on Amazon Prime? I'll check it out there. Then. It's also on TV every day on the L Ray Network. Which I've determined he's the only person in in the universe that gets that I'm channel. I'm on Comcast. I don't know what your problem is. The L Ray. The what network? Yeah, I know no, what you're talking about. But isn't it like in some mountain somewhere in Colorado or somewhere? The Stargate itself is in the Cheyenne Mountain Range. <laughs> Sorry. In Wyoming. I thought there was more than one. The one on Earth is in the Cheyenne Mountain Range. Uh, okay, yeah, that was a dumb question. Sorry. Dude, dude to, take, to tell you guys how hardcore I used to be about watching Stargate, I mean, it's you won 10 seasons. You have to be dedicated to watch it all, okay? I did. And I, I did too. I was subscribed to Netflix before it was all digital Netflix. So I was getting those DVDs like once a week <laughs> and I struggled through the first, through the first, well, the entire 10 seasons of SG one by getting DVDs in the mail. Yes. You have to be dedicated. Nice. So did I. Dude, they had me at MacGyver. <laughs> uh, Richard D. Anderson. Yeah. He's awesome. He's freaking awesome. This new MacGyver guy, whatever. Um, but yeah, um, we got a bit of feedback. Uh, have you guys like seen or read through the feedback? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. No. 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 So, um, <laughs> our friend Tasha writes, and, uh, we're going to split this up because, uh, our friend Eric has more spoilery <laughs> stuff. So we're going to save that to sort of the end because I want to get his impressions of, uh, kind of that last scene there. But Tasha writes, in regards to the war without the war then, I feel like it was a good seg, seg from the break speed of the earlier episodes in the mirror universe. Also, some of the points you guys brought up in the review were begging for her to address. And she goes on to make these three points. But I will say on that little point right there, Yes, it was a good pace change because looking back in those previous three episodes, it was just all what uh, reveal, 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 big thing, big thing, big thing. And we really never got a break. So I do get get, you know, that this episode was a, a, a bit of pacing change and probably welcomed for most people. So on to her points. Uh, first, she has a point about Saru. Uh, while Saru has been a pretty good captain, I believe that he played it too safe when Cornwell announced that Giorgio would be captain. I didn't expect him to go off with Michael Burnham, but he should have objected a little. And yeah, I think we did say that scene was really weird. Um, and it's sort of about the whole Starfleet in general, um, in this la- these last two episodes, uh, they were the ones acting very un Starfleet, which is really, really weird. Um, you guys have any uh, response to that? Well, they pretty much called it out. I mean, Burnham called it out herself. Um, I just like the the flip there where at the beginning of the show, she's like all about trying to do the right thing at any cost. And then this last episode, it just flip flops. We haven't done a spoiler yet, have we? Yeah. No, so I'll <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, I mean, it kind of hit it in that point, but yeah. And just another thing she said, I think the dining room scene was a bit child, uh, high schoolish, which I think we said we didn't like it for the most part. But, uh, she says she's like, likes the fact that the bridge crew is rallying and she makes the point that, you know, it's awesome to see the bridge crew kind of coming into their own since Lorca is gone and maybe that looming, uh, I don't know, fear, um, drudge that Lorca brought to the ship is gone and maybe they could be more Starfleet now. So yeah, a lot of good points. Uh, and she, she had a lot of comments and I wish I had time to read it all, but, but yeah, thanks for the feedback. And guys, if you want to send feedback, you can send that to fans at stdpodcast.com. Hey, but b- before we move on, I want to mention or make a comment on something about the Saru, um, you know, the Saru thing with being the captain. You yeah. know, I, when you read that, I was sitting here thinking they are military and I, and having a brother who retired from the Marines. You know, I know that that's all about it being in the military. You do what your commanding officer yeah. says. So 
whether he likes what was going on with Giorgio or not, his commanding officer is still saying that in front of all the other crew who do not know what's going on with Giorgio. So I didn't think it was inappropriate for him not to speak up. So that's agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And and I guess we'll get into that a bit more in the review uh, because I think it has, (laughs) I don't know. I always relate things back to the current state of the world and, America in particularly. So, I mean, I'll get into to that a little bit later. Uh, but before we dive into the review, I just want to mention this, uh, Anovos studio scale models that they kind of showed off on the, uh, after Trek. Those things are freaking awesome. They lit up. They were studio scale. I guess that's a thing. I've never heard of that before, but lo and behold, I went on the uh, Anovos site to look at said models and yeah, um, anybody got about $9,000 for the Discovery oh, model? <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. And what website, what, what company was it? Uh, it's just Anovos, and I may be pronouncing that wrong. That's A-N-O-V-O-S dot com. Uh, the link is actually in the show notes. But, but yeah, um, you have to be pretty hardcore to go out and get this. And I will say Innovos, they do a lot of other uh, stuff besides just models. They do uniforms that are pretty much as good as what they're wearing on the show, but they aren't cheap. They're like, those are like $600, $700. Uh, and they, they do more than just Star Trek. They do Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars. So they're, they're very high scale prop, make prop slash costume maker. But if you have the money to spend and are a faithful fan, um, definitely check it out. But I won't be dropping nine thousand anytime soon. So who I could think of a lot of things I could do with nine thousand dollars. <laughs> so did so did they make the models on the show? Or I don't know. I want to say everything is CG on the show anyway. Well, I mean, I know it's CG on the show, but they had to have something to make the CG out of. Oh, you know, I like you. yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um. I don't think so. I think they may have been given the actual models that were used for the show to create these, but I don't think they had any hand in that. Okay, so it's I got you. Just a licensing deal. I got yeah. you. Yeah, because they got. I mean, if you look at their site, they have everything from Star Wars to to freaking like I said, Battlestar. They have some Marvel stuff. Um, they got a wide range of stuff uh, that a Anovos produces. So yeah. cool. I noticed they didn't make a red uniform. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> John, you know you want that white uniform, bro. Hey, man, that white uniform is awesome. <laughs> but I don't see it's paying $600, and then in my size, it'll probably be $300 extra. No, whatever, man. <laughs> Do they have purple? Purple? Purple. Yeah, the Snoop Dogg oh, color. Oh, God. No. Snoop Dogg's down with the track, man. You saw the, you saw the thing he's doing. Did you see what the thing? This got all this. Oh, you could you go ahead and talk about it. I thought we had talked about it already. No, I was just gonna talk about him smoking weed on a Twitch stream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he lives in California, folks. It's uh, legal. Yeah. He was doing it before it was legal, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the reason why it's legal. They couldn't stop him, so they might as well get taxed. Well, now he can emerge from the shadows. (laughs) Oh, boy. He shall pass. Oh, man. So, guys, are we ready to get into the review of Will You Take My Hand? We're titled. I guess we are. Uh, So, the crew struggles with Giorgio's hostile plan to end the war with the Klingons. Bernal faces painful memories. Yeah. So, guys, let's go around the horn and just give non-spoilery thoughts. Um, let's start with Jeremy. What do you think, man? You know, it's, it's been a very uneven season, but I was satisfied with the way it happened. I, I wasn't, you know, over the moon about it, but I was satisfied. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. John. Um. So I, I did. I did enjoy this episode. It was a great episode. I, with it being a season finale. I expected a lot more. Now, it's not to say this was bad, but I expected a lot more. I expected a deeper story. I expected it to last longer than 45 minutes. 
Um, I mean, and I expected a little more detail in some of the ways they wrap things up. So we'll get into that later. You always look for detail, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> what about you, Care? Okay, so. Uh oh! <laughs> no, 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 no! Overall, I will say that I did enjoy the episode. I'll just go ahead and say that. But two things: one, I felt like it was fairly anticlimactic. Um, that's not to say it was bad, but it just it. I mean, some of the highs we hit this season. Um, for them to wrap it up with the intensity or lack thereof of this episode, the way it was, and the way I explain it is, okay, so to me, there is Star Trek, like vanilla Star Trek, TV Star Trek, that normally I'm not that crazy about, whereas this show started like on the other side of the world from that, where it was like completely different, and all the Trekkies were upset, and they hated it, and I was enjoying it because it wasn't like Star Trek. I feel like we've gone from as far out as we can from Star Trek all the way back into what Star Trek normally is. Like to me, this this episode felt like a typical Star Trek episode. Not to say it was bad, but it just didn't really. It, you know, some of the things we've hit this season, and some of the you know some of the storylines and some of the stuff that happened, it just seemed like it was just a typical Star Trek episode. I don't know. Hmm. And see, I'm 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 happy that the past two three episodes has been more Star Trek like feeling. That's probably why I've enjoyed them more. But along with Carrie, is as he said, anticlimactic would be about the best way to describe it. I, I just I wasn't knocked knocked out my seat. You know what I mean? I mean it worked well. They they wrapped everything up well, but it, it just wasn't a except the very last part. You know, it was shocking. But <laughs> what do you think about it, Cal? Okay, so times two. All right, so our part two. So kind of following on what Carrie said, this on first watching was, you know, a good, enjoyable watch. I mean, I enjoyed it. It it, it was cool. I liked the ending. But the, even though I didn't watch it a second time, it was enough to where it was kind of stuck in my head. And the more I sat here and made notes for what we're going to talk about tonight, the more I dissected what they did, and I agree with uh, what you guys said just now. It was very anticlimactic to me, and it was it reminded me of one of those stories where everything just too conveniently goes this way, this way, this way, this way. Oh, we wrapped it up. Let's go on, and here we've got something else. It was just too clean almost, and and it is. Like uh, Carrie said, it started out in another universe of Star Trek, and this felt like I was watching at the end of Star Trek, you know, The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or Keep Going and Keep Going. I I just I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed, but I enjoyed it. So Hmm. kind of a paradox there. Yeah, I mean, my personal opinion, I kind of push back on the notion that it feels like normal Star Trek. Uh, To me, it doesn't add all in a lot of ways and i think if i would talk about my biggest problem with the episode i mean i'll just say that i enjoyed it first i enjoyed it i thought it was good um especially the last few seconds uh, were freaking fantastic but i feel like there were a lot of things and i think eric from from canada actually echoed the same opinion a lot of the things just ended too quickly and maybe you even said this too john without a lot of explanation it's just like oh we did this you know, it's wrapped up nice, tight bow. You know, we're done. All right. Um, this big war is, 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 well, spoilers. Um, uh, let's just get into spoilers. <laughs> yeah, let's get into spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So, guys, what do we think about this opening sequence of Earth slash Kronos and um, how it's kind of flipped and uh, pretty decent special effects? Uh, What do we think of this opening sequence? And especially when we talk about the let's go ahead and just jump into (coughs) the interaction of of uh, Giorgio uh, with the crew there on the bridge. (laughs) You mean her licking her lips? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm hungry. Oh man, there was just so like oh so many inside jokes so little time. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um I'm glad that they you know that little sequence it kind of gave you a better view on the because you know I think I think we kind of touched on it in the last episode like how close were the Klingons to you know Earth and they kind of gave us a better view of like how desperate the situation was. Agreed. Agreed. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh but that that same scene though at the end kind of makes me mad. Um and we'll get into it, but when when we get the speech at the end from uh Laurel, it just yeah, I'm like, they're just gonna turn around. <laughs> yeah, see I I got problems with that too. But 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 uh what what I do like about this opening bridge sequence is it makes me feel that, you know, Mira Jojo is a freaking boss. And um, even though she's from the mirror universe, I feel like her command skills, even though she's bad, um, I think her command skills are impeccable. Um, <laughs> when she's acting like with status shields, communications, she's acting all the different stations. She's like, uh, I don't need that information. Just give me the good stuff. You know, I, um, I, I just feel like her sense of, uh, control of the bridge was just really, really good. And, uh, man, uh, I hate that she's bad. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say again, I don't think she's bad. She is just a product of where she's from. She, she, I, I agree with that statement. I mean, it's it's a matter of just context. <clears throat> I, I agree that she's a product of where she's from, but she has that confidence to be in charge. She knows what yeah. she's doing because she's done it for so long. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, and I'm not disagreeing, Clarence, with what oh. you're saying. I'm just saying that our perception of good and evil are good and bad as opposed to where they're from are 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 altered are mirrored yeah yeah I, and i'm i'm kind of with there with with Kyle on this just because um if she honestly if she was like the the um starfleet in our universe if she what she did have those values and those morals we would have never met her cuz she'd be dead so correct i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's just nature of the beast there I just talked that up to And uh, I'm just you know Tilly would have killed. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> the same that will have you. <laughs> no, I actually just came up with it. But it was good. Girl, change your hair. <laughs> John, did you have a comment, dude? Well, I, I was just saying I you know, yes, she was in control, but to me, I still think Saru was better in the chair than Mira Giorgio. Just because it's easy to get in the chair and then demand things from a staff that you know are going to follow you. But it's harder to get them to do it because they want to. You know what I mean? Like, it's a difference between a boss and a leader. And inspiration is stronger than fear. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that, I mean, yes, yeah, she did. I mean, she did handle her business. She got in there. She got things done. And yeah, that's all fine and good. But to me, I I, I enjoyed seeing Saru command the ship more than I see Giorgio commanding the ship. Hmm. Good. Good point. Good point. So um, most uh, most of us, if not all of us, are country boys here. Are we all country boys? I didn't grow up in the city. Um, I'm a city slicker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Have you what ever- is cornbread? <laughs> Hall Mall. Howdy. So, Peanuts so- and Coke. <laughs> That's just like a RC and thing. a moon pie. <laughs> oh, moon pies? Really? <laughs> but, but all that to say, uh, have you ever heard the phrase of killing something why it's scared makes it tough to eat? Yes. <laughs> I have heard that. I have not. I have not either. I, I, I have not. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I've on. never been hunting either. You so. guys have never been hunting before? No. I have. I, I have been hunting. Not successfully, but I have been hunting. And that's. You've been that's hunting or hunted? Yes. <laughs> yes. Surviving the game out there in the, the, the forest, the forest county? Like, Look, George County can be kind of rough growing up as a small child, so you got to do what you got to do. I feel you, yo. I hear any <laughs> Gangster Wody. 
generous or is rough. Or... <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Scared Kelpian makes for a tough Kelpian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like that had to just like I, I'm sure everybody else on that bridge besides him and Vernon was like, "What in the world <laughs> is she talking about?" <laughs> You can't yeah. be tough and scared at the same time. It don't make no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we did learn that even in this universe, uh the the Kelpians are 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 eaten, right? Right, John? Yeah. Didn't you learn something like that? Did we learn yeah, that? well, it just kinda went back to like one one of the first few episodes when Saru was describing his species. You know, he said we we are bred raised and formed as prey. I mean, and, you know, he didn't specifically say we, we're eaten, but usually when people form something, they're going to eat it. <laughs> Very point true. taken. Mm. Yes, well, good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, and, the, you know, I looked at the Kelpians in the other universe, like, now that we're talking about this, and I felt bad for them, but at the same time, I feel like that's the same plight they have here, only that you know the good people or the the dominant um regime, if you will, isn't endorsing that, but people still do it. Right, but they're so, sentient. Like I said, Starfleet, but <laughs> Starfleet's not eating them. But there's more than Starfleet in the galaxy. At least they don't know they're eating them. I mean, they don't know what's in their hot dogs. Or they could be, or they could, <laughs> you know, they could be closet kill and diners. <laughs> we don't know what's in our hot dogs. What are you talking? About? <laughs> Don't watch that video on YouTube. Oh, God. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the Kelpians. <laughs> so, what, what, what do we think of this L'Oreal Giorgio uh, interaction in the brig? Uh, it went about as well as I would have expected it to, honestly. I mean, she wasn't going to ask nicely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she had to know she wasn't going to get anywhere with it. It wasn't going to end well either way. Yeah, I, I kind of laughed when uh, L'Oreal told uh, Burnham, go to hell, you small human. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, That's pretty funny. But yeah, you know, Giorgio getting the, getting the beat down on. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Although she did stalk her first, so I mean, I feel a bit of fair. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, know, you've got to give Michael Burnham's character, again, some credit for knowing that in and seeing her, you know, kill people in, you know, the mirror universe. She basically, you know, has the grapefruits to say, you know, yell at her and tell her to, you know, stop doing what she's doing. So, I mean, she's got a backbone. So you got to give her that. Yeah. And and can I just take a moment to talk about how this season one has conditioned us to not really care. I'm not going to say not care, but not be as, um, um, I don't know. Sympathetic. Uh, yeah. Well, not sympath- I'm, I'm talking more so about what's going on on screen because, you know, there was an S word dropped in there. There are plenty of cuss words in this episode. Again, we I, see um, we see. There were. Giorgio. Um, yeah, there was S word. Um, um, uh, uh, Tilly dropped Tilly it. Said that. Yeah, Tilly dropped it. Oh yeah, when she um yeah the the, the, the when she realized the thing. yeah the drone wasn't a drone. <laughs> yeah, I mean that along with the uh, Mira Jojo uh, having a uh, threesome. <laughs> we <We've, laughs> we've been conditioned so much in the opposite direction that now when we see stuff on screen in Star in Star Trek, for God's sake. I don't know, man. That was still a little creepy. The threesome scene. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even blink. Still man. pretty creepy. I didn't like, blink. I'm like, yeah, okay. This is Star Trek now. <laughs> uh, it was kind of weird. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I was more. I was more freaked out about the drug usage on Star Trek. Like that's the last <laughs> I expected to ever see in Star Trek. All right. So does it say oh, something man. about me that neither one of those scenes that you're talking about, I didn't oh, even man. know Tilly said something. And the other uh, scene with Giorgio, it was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Oh man. She got a hold of some of the sticky icky, didn't she? <laughs> she was out. Oh man. Yes. To say yes, on the yes. bag, regular. <laughs> yeah. Lord. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, just to get, you know, I didn't mean to derail us too much, but, uh, uh, let's talk about the scene where, um, Lieutenant Tyler, um, oh, I guess he's not a lieutenant anymore. Tyler is playing with his rope. 
He's playing with his rope. His <laughs> what? His, oh, not that rope. Uh, uh, his, his dream. Wait, that's uh, uh, You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I used to have a boat. Well, at least he's not a Klingon in, 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 in form now. Yeah, um, that dual stream, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody he got gave, it? I he, did. He gave his rope to Michael. <laughs> did nobody get the dual stream? Yeah, I, I, mean, I, think, I think Kyle did. Did nobody else? No. And, and actually, Eric from, Van, uh, from, from Canada pointed this out to me, but it's cool that Kyle got it. Uh, but yeah, when they go on the... The outpost, when the Klingon is in the corner peeing, if you look closely. Oh, um, yeah, two streams. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> well, I didn't notice that. I remember, right. Yeah, I noticed that. It. It's, it's like Burnham had an extra long stare at that. She's like, what? <laughs> go, <laughs> oh, the it was what she was missing out on. Yeah, okay. okay go, I did. Go, oh, man. Go back and look at it. She like lingers more than everybody else because everybody just keeps walking. She's like turned back for like an extra second or two. Hi, you dirt. <laughs> It's probably freaked out. No, she probably said that's what I'm missing. I seen it, and I just kind of wrote it off as like maybe you know, like you know, sometimes it splits up on you. you know? <laughs> oh, God. Sometimes when your underwear are too tight, you get a split string. <laughs> you know, why don't I don't want to make a description, and then, but after certain activities, oh God. Oh, 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 oh. So, uh, yeah, about that, that rope that Tyler was playing with. Uh, um, um, just just, just yeah. the one rope, right? Yeah, the one rope. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but what, what, what do we think about Tyler's turnaround? I mean, again, to me, it seems kind of drastic that he's I like this, this different person. Uh, I, I, go ahead. I, no. No, like, we, we talked about this last we week, did. where we you did. guys were all saying, like, he's gonna turn evil again. Like, she killed Vok. She killed him. <sighs> she killed him in his mind. Like, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah, I'm, I guess it's me being skeptical. You know, it's been a very twisty season. Um, yeah, and we did say, you know, she did the whole death cry and all that, so we knew <laughs> <he> was- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> She sounded like Chewy, man. It was just, you don't just do that when you know. But I didn't expect Tyler to like just become a girl all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> like he just lost his manhood in that whole thing. Not all of it, just half. Well, he, he still had the string. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about the outpost a little bit. And this was another huge problem I had with the episode. Why would the Klingons, who hate everybody, everybody, allow the Orions to have an outpost slash embassy on their planet? And apparently they allow humans to come there uh, on a regular basis. I I just did not get that at all. That was like a huge um, pl- uh, hole in the episode to me. Uh, well, I mean, one way you could probably think about it is this. It's, sl- it's the slums. You know, they don't really patrol the slums to see who's there i mean that's the whole point of it being the slums i mean that's that's about the only thing i can i can see is that that nobody's there because they want to be in the first place so you know and i think they kind of just keep them there because there's certain things i mean you don't you know i think they just it's like pets kind of you know they, they need people they need these people to be there to entertain them and I think that's part of it. And another part of it is the Orions have always, through Star Trek, they've always been known for their illegal activities and yeah. slave trades and drugs and gambling. And that's we saw it all, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a great thing for the cleaners to have there because I mean they have access to all it that they don't have to get involved in. Now, now I'm I'm fine with the Orions, but I was under the impression that. He- some humans had free reign in that sector as well. Was that not? That, no, I think that was all Orions. So why would they not be alarmed when some humans show up? Information. If you have a place that is, what, regardless of how you want to say, you know, low lives, you know, you know, criminals, blah Scum blah blah earth. blah, it is still a place to where. As the Klingons, th- this is you know ripe information to find. 
um, you know, what's going on because this person might know this thing and whatever and whatever, because look at the, the, you know, look at what, you know, happened to Tilly. She had something they, you know, was completely knocked out trying to get what she had. So it may be partly for the Klingons point of view is, you know, let, let these, you know, dredges of society, you know, come here, but let's also have it where we can gain information if we need it. Maybe that's a possibility. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it, man. Uh, they hate humans. Um, and I don't, I don't get it. Maybe I'm the only one there. Uh, so, okay, okay. Uh, uh, let me ask this. Is, has there, is there a precedent in Star Trek lore, Trek story? And is there a precedent for this or is this just completely out of left field? Uh, as far as I know, it's completely left field because you never, you never really, no one ever speaks of Kronos. Um, through, I mean, they speak of it, but you never really see it. If you do see, they do have a scene in Kronos is usually in the Great Hall where it's just pretty much all high ranking Klingons. I mean, you never actually see the actual, the rest of Kronos. So I don't know. I mean, you got to think a hundred years ago, it was big news for Captain Archer to come there. Though, you know, again, this is not in official capacity. It's in the slums, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, but it is an embassy. I mean, they let the Orions come there, which is it's just weird to me. I don't now, know. Is are the Orions human? No, but I'm just saying, uh, regardless if the Orions are human or not. No, the Orions are not human. They're their own race. But why would they allow a human to step foot on their planet when they have this war against the humans and they hate them dearly? Um it's just like it's just like cer- certain sectors of the world today. Yeah, a, so. a, an American wouldn't be found walking in uh, without an army at their side, you know. And I kind of feel it's that same way. Um, I don't know. I think I'm. Well, I mean, you know, recently our borders have tightened up a lot, but you know, like historically, even in America, like our borders were open. You know, they weren't like strictly patrolled. Well, okay. Let's talk. Let's just go and talk about details of of kind of what what Giorgio and team were doing on the planet. Uh, I guess we kind of hinted at the whole um, Giorgio um, threesome thing. Um, but what do we think of the scene where Tyler is going into to full Vok mode and, and playing a game with his fellow Klingons? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of oh. weird. Yeah. yeah, very weird. I think I'm good at I'm good at this game. <laughs> push, 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 shove, left, throw money down. Yeah, it was just uh See, I, I would have liked it better if he would have like died when they landed somewhere. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean just because every scene after that was just kind of like forced with Siler, you know? It was like they were trying to trying too hard to wrap him out of the season, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, I think I have to agree with you there because it did feel like, OK, how can we just give him that semi happy? Oh, it's so sad you're leaving ending. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think they did a good job or a decent job of trying to explain um, kind of he's he's both of these characters now. Um, Vok. His memories are still dormant inside of him. And I think we had several instances. Um, first, when he gives information to George Owen Burnham. And second, like when we see the scene here um, in the game. And also when he sees the dudes drinking the uh, the flaming whatever vodka, whatever it was. Um, yeah, so I, I, mean, I think it's cool how they're showing that he still has his other uh, personality inside him or inside of him or memories. And, you know, I think that's cool for his character. But again, to to your point, like, what what does it mean? And to me, it probably just means we're going to see him probably like five or six episodes into the next season. Because I don't think. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just yeah, got, he, we're kind of done with Tyler, you know, him and Georgia. I feel, I feel like they'll be recurring characters in the next season. You know, great. Yeah. If great. doesn't come back, I won't be heartbroken. They left it pretty open for him, so. They're going to come back with the love child of Ash and Laurel. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about, um, I don't know, just Tyler in general. Um, 
and how he's affected Burnham. And I think of uh, that scene where had where we had Burnham like tell the story of her parents, uh, which was really good. But also, it's just like this episode had so many gruesome moments in it, and this was I guess this could they could have made it a little bit worse, but still for her to having to listen to her parents be killed, uh, I thought that was pretty pretty cool to hear her give that explanation. Now, I was a bit confused about that. Did the Klingons eat her parents at their dinner table, or did they just eat their dinner? They ate their dinner. She said okay. they ate their, <laughs> yeah. their dinner that they were going to eat. All right. I just want, yeah, it was a little bit yeah fuzzy for me there. Yeah, what, what I got from that is they killed the dad pretty quickly. They had their way with the mother. It's this is my interpretation of <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of where I thought that was going to. And then they ate their porridge. So, yeah. <laughs> their porridge. Um, so, I'm going to need Jeremy to give me an explanation of this whole, um, um, what's the guy's name? Opie's brother? Clint Howard. Clint yeah, Howard. He, was the one that- <laughs> he actually played a villain in the first, in the, I think the first or second season of the original series named Barlock. If I remember correctly, Balrog, Balok. Oh, Balok. Okay. <laughs> but what? he's 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 one of those. He's one of those people who's been in like a little bit of everything. He's been in Star Wars. He's been in Star Trek. I think he played a Ferengi on um, DS Nine. He's a lifer, wasn't he? Like a toddler, a little kid, or something when he on the Star Trek TOS yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was a neat little throwback to the original series that you know they kind of brought him back, you know, just for a little scene. And I think he's going to be in. The Han Solo movie, when I have a scene in that, too. Oh. But everything Ron Howard does, he's in. And I just thought that was a little neat little throwback. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Of course, he was interacting with Tilly in, in those few scenes. Right. Um, well, no, interacting with Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what happened when she was knocked out. True. <laughs> That's a memory she never wants to have. I, I will say Tilly was very funny in this episode. Um, oh, yeah. She was. This is probably my favorite Tilly episode. I'm not really a fan of her, but she was good in this episode. Yeah. Oh, the look that Burnham gave her when she came in as, uh, as Giorgio's secret weapon when they were going, uh, building the away team. Uh, I thought that was freaking hilarious when she started to give the salute. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, like, no, don't do that. Dude, that whole exchange where she, like, thinks it's the real Giorgio, and then she's like, oh, that's, and then they're like, yeah, it's the mirror. <laughs> oh, like, that whole thing was just, it was really funny. It was good writing, good writing on that, because I have to admit, I, I laughed pretty hard on that, so. <laughs> I've, I've just got to give it, you know, give her credit in the sense of a couple of weeks ago, Kyle said he was wrong, and then now we've got Carrie saying, I don't like Tilly, but blah, blah, blah. So, no, I mean, I, I, I'm still not really a fan of hers, honestly, but she was really good in this episode. I, I mean, I'm willing to acknowledge that. I'm not a complete hater. Like, I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you and I were kind of like full on haterade at the beginning, <laughs> both of us equally. It's, it's true. Well, to Carrie's point, to Carrie's point, even Mira Jojo says the hair. So I, you weren't, and she changes the hair. She does change the hair. Yeah, how does it happen in a split second? I'm confused. Hey, it's called uh, you know twenty fifth century or whatever it is. (laughs) Hair replicate. Hair 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 straighticators. (laughs) Straighticators. But you know, I do think Tilly and Sarah are probably two of the best written characters in the whole series. Just now, yeah. I mean, just from the from the beginning to now, they have the best growth of any of the characters we've seen in this series so far. I mean, the only thing I would say is I feel like Michael's grown more than them, but I will say that Tilly's definitely come out of her shell, and Saru is no longer a scaredy butt, but I feel like Michael's had more, like, so, so, what's the best way to do it? I feel like she's had more um, pertinent, or as far as applies to the story, her growth directly applies to the story, whereas their growth is not necessarily that essential, at least Tilly's anyway. I mean, Saru's definitely, but I don't know. Well, I think Michael's growth is from the story, or for the story, and their their growth is from the story. Ooh. I mean, their, their, good, good their, their, growth, 
their their growth is because of the environment that they're in now, and hers is just a lifelong growth. If that makes any sense, well, a year at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, let, let's talk about the the what I, what I'm calling mutiny number two. What do we think of this scene now? What a year later, where we're seeing Burnham not only stand up with herself, but this time it's a little different. What do we think of this scene, guys? Um, Look at it from Saru's point of view. He who pretty much could not even stand Michael at the beginning because of what she did is now standing side by side, ready to do the same thing again. Yeah, I, I mean, think that, it was a realization for him. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kerry, but I just think no, that was I interrupted good, you. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I just think that was a good realization for him. So, yeah, that's it. No, I was just going to say that um, it it's it's really interesting to see them stand together because they probably had the rockiest relationship out of any two characters on the entire show. So that was just good to see. That's really all I'd say. Yeah, I agree. It it, it was a to me it was a great scene, oh, yeah. and I. I kind of got from it that at that moment, Saru understood whether he thought, whether it was right or not, he understood Michael's position at the Battle of the Binary. Now, whether she was right or wrong, he understand he understood the position she was in when she made that decision to do what she did. And I think he just kind of realized that in this situation. Well, I mean, he even says the words, we are Starfleet. You know, he chimed in. Right. Yeah, and I'm wondering, does this crew have a vastly different opinion because they've missed nine months of the war? You know, if they were down there in the trenches for the last nine months, would they still be saying, oh, let's stick to our Starfleet principles, you know? Um, and I don't know that. I don't know. I think it could be very different. Let me ask this. Were they in a place where it was so drastically more severely different that that becomes a moot point because of they they were in a in a sense fighting for their own lives while they were in the mirror universe. I mean, their captain turned against them. I don't know. I think they had it pretty rosy compared to the nine months in uh, Prime Universe. Right. I just have I have one question for all the tricky tricky or you guys because I'm not really a tricky, but um, so all the Klingon ships are at Earth. <laughs> Right. We so, five of them anyway. So, well, okay, five Klingon <laughs> ships are about to fire on Earth. We have a spore drive that can be anywhere in the universe at any time, and we go to the Klingon world. Like, I mean, uh, and we know we also know that the Enterprise is functional. The Enterprise is operational. So, you know, there, that's yeah. at least two ships, two versus five. Um, and they're really advanced ships. I feel like those are pretty good odds. Um, why? Why did they just? Why? Because they they wouldn't be able to hold them all forever. Well, I'll, I'll, at some point, at some point, they'd have to stop. And there, it is known that a clean up bird of prey is very dangerous ship. Yeah, and I was just kidding like, when I said five shows. I'm sure it was way more than that. <laughs> but that's what they showed on screen. That's what I was show <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, that whole thing just it was it was just really weird to me that you know that that a. Uh, uh, there's nothing at Earth. There's nothing. It's just a big blue planet. There's like no kind of defense, no no mech, mech cannons, like nothing. There's nothing there. Like I I just don't get why there's there are no defenses. Well, they said they destroyed all the defenses, which was my argument last time. Is because they said they destroyed all at Space Station One, which by saying one, you would think that that's right by Earth. So if they destroyed all of those, did they go back home and decide to come back and attack Earth? But but see that's the thing though if if it's if it's known that they destroyed the last defense of Earth why isn't everybody going back to Earth to defend it like why are we just still out in the middle of nowhere just yeah yeah eh, resistance I see, I, I see the point to your point is why why the Enterprise isn't there but you know the Discovery was on a mission to you know it's like you're out and you hear like there's there's a fire at your house you're gonna stop what you're doing you're gonna go back home you know I think that was yeah. the whole point of Discovery being out there. But to your point, like, why the heck isn't Enterprise somewhere in the vicinity of Earth? I don't get that. Uh, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And like, like, not, not just Enterprise, any ship. Like, we just made, we, they just made 120 something jumps in a row. 
Um, it's just like we did all this crazy stuff, and then for the last episode, we're gonna just use our brains, which is fine. <laughs> but but it's like we've been fighting the whole time, and now you want to like be crafty and. Well, I mean, it was George O was the key to that. They would never come up with that plan themselves. Oh my god! And here's the other thing: Did they really think they were gonna go there just to scan? Did they they were going to land on Kronos to scan the planet? Like, did they really think that was a plan? No, they were gonna go inside of the planet to scan it. Exactly. Did they really think they were doing all that just to go scan the planet? Like, like the whole time I'm thinking there's a bomb in that thing. Like the entire time, I was thinking <laughs> well, well, like, the they're blowing to, something up. Wasn't the point to scan it to find a, a plan of attack? Wasn't that the whole point of the scan? If I'm just- yeah, well, yeah, that's my understanding. It was planned to have a full scale assault on the planet Kronos. Even that makes me upset because you have freaking Vok who knows the whole planet. He actually tells them where to land. They don't need to scan the planet. They have intel. Yeah. True. Yeah. Let's not pick this thing apart, guys. (laughs) (laughs) See, but that's my point. There was not... It's not a lot of detail. They don't tell you how they come to these conclusions. They're just like, hey, we're going to... Start, we're going to put this in the storyline so we can build onto it. But they don't explain how it got there, you know? And, and see, like, that was one of my issues was that it was just felt too freaking convenient. Yeah. Right. And like the whole notion to talk, okay, they talked uh, Giorgio out, out of uh, letting the bomb go off and we're going to transfer the, the um, I guess, the key for the bomb to Laurel. I just thought it was a little weird for Laurel to, and maybe this is just a Klingon thing, but I felt it was weird for Laurel to actually threaten the houses to become the leader of the houses by blowing up their own planet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is is Klingon. I mean, that's Klingon. Blowing up your own planet. Come on. I mean, that really is Klingon. Agreed. they will do anything to gain power. And if that means know, they're going to blow up everything except themselves to get it, they will do it. I don't know. I agree. That, that scene felt really forced. And I just, <laughs> I, I just kind of had to sit there and just, okay. I was okay with that part. What I wasn't okay with is, okay, we're clean ons. We're not scared of anything, but she holds up this pad. <laughs> and now everybody's going to follow you because you got a pad that'll blow up the planet. And see, and that's my, what question is this? Exactly, 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 exactly. My thing is, if I walk up to the White House and I say, I have this thing, I have a, a bomb that will blow up the entire United States, listen to me, they'll shoot me in the head before I get done. <laughs> I downloaded this app that will hurt you. Right. There's an app for that. It, I mean, I, I get that this is a show, but it's just like when I think too much, even, like, even going back to like the whole... The whole Lorca, Prime Lorca, Mirror Lorca, how did he get here? What happened to like if if I think too hard, like I, I, I start to get upset and my head starts to hurt because there's just some things that don't make sense. That being said, I still really enjoy the show because I because, so I don't want you guys to think that I'm just like bagging on the show. Like these are just genuine questions that I had that just things just didn't add up for me, you know? Well, you know, well, that's, well, that's been my complaint. The entire show is just, you know, I just any other Star Trek, you can think hard as you want, and you pretty much comes to a logical conclusion. Like things are not just thrown in there, but on this series, things are just kind of thrown in there, and you're like, you have to accept them, it, which is fine, and I'll accept it because it makes for a great show. But yeah, if you think too much about it, then you're going to end up disappointing yourself. It's a great show, but not a great Star Trek show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I think they can write the ship. I mean, it seems like these this last episode was like, okay, we might be running out of budget, so let's cut like five, three or four episodes down into one. Um, that's kind of what like that's kind of what it felt like to me because just it was too convenient. You know, we tried to tie too many loose ends in a short amount of time because you got to think the last fifteen minutes was just all. The last 15 minutes was like the end of the first Star Wars, A New Hope. It was just like, celebration, <laughs> yay. Everybody gets a medal. You get a medal. <laughs> Chewie but, get a medal. But not Chewie. Chewie doesn't get a medal. Wookie loves it. Yeah, that, you know, that disappointed me because usually season finales are always extended. They're never just a normal end. Yeah. I was expecting at least an hour and a half. 
Especially because the pilot then, was, what, two one-hour episodes of the intro? Yeah, right. So. Honestly, I think the whole Star Trek thing is just going to be a red herring, the Enterprise being at the end. I I don't think they're going anywhere with that. And oh. I, I, I would have much rather them spent some more time, like, setting up next season because that wasn't really a setup. That was just fan service. Well, well, well. I think they may be setting up next season. So let me get into some of the feedback from Eric from uh, uh, North Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, where he talks about. Let me just read what he says. Eric writes, as soon as they showed NCC 17 on the screen, I knew it was going to be Captain Pike's Enterprise. Great uh, graphic design. He kept the original look, but the right amount of shine to make it updated special effects to the universe. I'm excited to find out how they portray Captain Pike and his crew. Will Spock be there? Question mark. Although they've said that Spock won't be in the series. That's me. Spock's, Spock's on a pilot with Captain Pike, isn't he? Yes, he's he on. Yeah. Let me let me read the rest of the feedback real quick because I think some of that is addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind, this is only two, possibly three years after the events portrayed in the original TOS pilot, The Cage. So uh, The Cage was actually before this. Um, oh, okay. And also, there's a novel out called Star Trek Discovery Desperate Hours, which I have sitting somewhere in a backpack. I've only read one, one chapter. Uh, it is set in a time one year after the events of The Cage and one year before Battle of the Binary Stars. He's, Eric states that he's read it, uh, and, uh, he recommends it. Minor spoiler. In this novel, the crew of the Shinzu interacts with the crew of the Enterprise. The books makes, the book makes specific reference uh, and mentions of the Enterprise uniforms being a new style and describes them exactly like they are in the show, the episode The Cage. It'll be interesting to see if this is how they're portrayed in the show next season. So in this arc or this little bit of canon that we have with, with, uh, Discovery, if you go to the books, there has already been some interaction with, uh, Pike and Enterprise, which I have to go and read. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, too bad it's not in the show, but. Still. So at this point, is Spock actually, he's joined. Well, if this is after that episode, then he, he has had to already join Enterprise, yeah. right? Yeah. Weird Spock yeah. is, is, uh, cause that's not, it, <laughs> he's so weird in that episode. <laughs> is he in the book? I do not know. Um, Eric does not say. I guess we'll have to read the book. <laughs> read the book. Cool. Well, I mean, uh, also another thing that jumped out to me. Well, then it, well, I'm sorry. Let's talk about the look at the Enterprise. What do you guys think? Eric says he likes it. What What are you guys' opinions on it? It was nice to see a modernized CG version of the Enterprise. I thought it was dope. Yeah, I did too. I'd have been highly upset if it had come out looking like the <laughs> like Yoda. In, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think they did a great job with that. I really did. Yeah, I just think of the look of how it looked back on Enterprise, the show, and they didn't really change anything, but made it CG and make made it a little little more modern, but not nowhere near the amount they did in this episode. To me, it's like to me, it's like almost to the movie, except they just didn't take it, you know, that one step further to where it looked way different. Um, so I definitely liked the look of the Enterprise in this this short little sequence that we got. Yeah, it's cool, 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 cool. So, yeah, I liked it too. It, it, it yeah, it looked cool. Um, so why were they in Paris and not San Francisco? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when they came back to Earth, they were in Paris. Isn't that his, her mom's, like, home? Isn't she from there or something, they were saying? I don't know. I was just surprised. I, I, I guess, was that Starfleet headquarters? I, I, I wouldn't think. Of, I, like you said, Starfleet headquarters is in San Francisco. Unless something happens through timeline and it changes in San Francisco. All right, well, maybe it wasn't there yet. You know, right. I don't know. That was weird. That's something that jumped out at me. Uh, guys, I guess we... I'm- Mostly. Okay, go ahead. Somebody else. No, no, no. I was curious to see if you guys mentioned something else. And if you, and I think you were fixing a wrap. So that's kind of my cue that nobody did mention this or catch this, which is what about our captain for next season? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to get yeah. Acting Captain Saru. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking no, about. No, no. I'm, I'm just, he, he said this statement. That's why I was just. Saru oh, said okay. that when they said captain, he's like acting captain. captain. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, I really have no idea. Any, any clues, guys? Prime Lorca. 
<laughs> oh, that would piss me off. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm back. No. Well, I, I think Saru is going to end up being a permanent captain because they get, they get the distress call, so they have to change course because they're going back to Vulcan to pick up pick up the new captain. So could the new captain be, be a Vulcan? I doubt it. Be Since different. they're going to Vulcan to pick up the camp, captain? <laughs> I mean, it only makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I Man, I don't um, have a clue, but I hope they don't mess it up. <laughs> Mr. Spark is the captain. That will be terrible. Played by Zachary Quinto. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was cool that uh, Stamets mentioned that Starfleet is working on a non-human uh, driver for the spore drive. They had that. They let him go free. I mean, what what are we looking for here? I'm assuming they're trying to make like a maybe a computer program or something. Maybe like a artificial intelligence, or maybe even a holographic. And who knows? I don't know. Yeah, they need yeah. Um, another tardigrade. Is it is it possible? Like I'm. <laughs> Is it even is it possible that Pike could be the next captain? Is that even possible? That would be awesome. That would be freaking that awesome. Would be. But then what are you gonna do with Saru? I like Saru as a captain. He and we still need to officer. find her. And then we need to find the ship for Burnham. I mean Burnham she, can't be She's not ready to be a captain yet, man. She's no, not. I agree. I don't think she is either. And Saru is? Apparently so. Well, he's not ready to be a captain either because they're finding another one. <laughs> well, I think he's ready. <laughs> I'll be upset to see him in any role list, any rank list than captain right now. Uh, mm, uh, I disagree. Uh, I, I'm with Carrie on that. The Kilpian always gets the shaft. I feel like he's such a good character <laughs> that he can still be. I'd like to see Captain Saru in a in a lower role and him and Burnham kind of like backing each other up. You know, I think that would be a good thing to see. He doesn't necessarily have to be the captain for him to be a good character. At least I don't think so. Well, he's a great captain, I think. I think he's a great captain. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts on, um, man, the last episode of season one? Do we know when the next season starts yet? Oh, I don't think we do, man. I just hope it's not forever. <laughs> do we know if they've started filming yet? I uh, know. I'm pretty sure they have not started filming. Um, well, this is going to be a while then. Yeah, well, they were saying in After Trek that it takes like four or five months just to do the special effects. Right. So, yeah. See, like, think about it. Doctor Who is already filming and it's, you know, it's 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 the fall before it starts and they've been filming you know, like since sometime in December. So, okay, this is an article from Digital Spy. Yeah, I'm reading it now. Um, it says it probably won't land until 2019 at the earliest. Ouch. Oh man, they're going Game of Thrones on us. <laughs> and Lorca is up for a return. Told y'all he was coming back. He said he could return somehow. That's not my Lorca. He's gonna be in the mycelial network. Oh, God. Thought you got rid of me. We no. saw, you, you, okay, you are talking about Prime Lorca, right? Because we saw well, those that disintegrate. Yeah, I guess it would have to be. Okay. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't specify which Lorca, so I guess it would have to be. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Let's go around the horn. Guys, anybody have anything they want to talk about uh, podcast related? Otherwise, let's start with Cal Jones. What you got, man? All right. So anybody that is listening to this that also is a fan of either comic books, sci-fi, or Doctor Who, check out Clarence and I's other two podcasts, uh, Discussing Who for Doctor Who at DiscussingWho.com. And for the other topics, there is Discussing Comics at DiscussingComics.com. Cool beans. Uh, Carrie, what you got, dude? Um, you know, as always, uh, check out Techpedition. We normally do weekend ips. Uh, our last episode was a lot of fun. So, um, I was watch, I was listening to it on my way home from work today. It was, I think it was a really good episode. You may enjoy it. And also, you know, um, this Wednesday, me and two other grits people, um, Robert and Q, we will be starting an anime podcast. So, uh, we don't really know what we're going to call it yet. Um, we've got some names floating around, but you know, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, John? You got anything, man? 
again, I'm watching uh, Enterprise series over again. And other than that, uh, I'm getting into drones a lot. So, Oh, yeah. I saw some of your footage, man. Yeah, I was brave enough to fly it over 59. So Yeah, don't get arrested. Don't get arrested. Hey, the FAA has not said that anyone owns the air above their home. So. Well, if you're so many miles from an airport, uh, I don't. is there an airport down there in Hattiesburg? It's Hattiesburg. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're good here. <laughs> the only thing I have to worry about is Camp Shelby, and I'm pretty far yeah. away from them. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, if you want to know more about Oh, we have Jeremy. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I totally did that on purpose. Uh, oh. Jeremy, what, what do you have, man, podcast related or otherwise that you want to talk about? Well, the only thing I've got going on right now is I just picked up um, Michael Crichton's uh, possibly last book that was uh, published after he passed away. So I'm gonna. my goal is to, to find time this week and read it. Because he wrote Jurassic Park. Um, ER? ER, Twister. I mean, he, he's... He wrote a lot of stuff, and he's really awesome. And I was sad when he died. But this is another book that they found, like amongst his belongings, that they printed out. And I'm really excited to. Did somebody finish it for him, or was it just finished and sitting there? Hey, as far as I know, it was a finished manuscript that was just sitting in his computer that he never sent out to get published. Cool beans. Well, guys, if you want to actually follow the show, please go to stdpodcast.com and check us out. Go ahead and subscribe. We have a bunch of platforms that you can subscribe on. You can check us out at STD underscore podcast on Twitter and STD podcast on Facebook. Uh, yeah. And, um, we're going to have to find something to do now that the season is over. Stay tuned because we will have some more stuff, maybe some post mortem on the season as well to kind of discuss particular points that we're interested in, maybe dissect them just a little bit more. Now that we have a little more time to think about it. And, uh, yeah. Um, thanks for joining us until next time. Live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the STD Podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe. It's the year 2000. We're the flying cars. I was promised <laughs> flying cars.